Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. This week, I'm sharing a selection with our mysterious listener, Pip. They recommended a play that's been on my list for quite a while now, Murderous Revision from Suspense. Suspense aired on CBS Radio from 1942 to 1962, producing 947 episodes in total, most of which still exist today. Hailed as radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense specialized in edge-of-your-seat thrillers, some written especially for radio, others adapted from contemporary and classic literature. Murderous Revision was written especially for Suspense by David Ellis from a story by S. Lee Pogaston. Ellis frequently contributed scripts to Suspense's sister program, Escape, including A Shipment of Mute Fate, Conqueror's Isle, and the two-parter, The Earth Abides. He was an actor as well, appearing in Escape, The Adventures of Philip Marlowe, Nightbeat, and Adventures by Morse. S. Lee Pogaston was a successful television writer and director. He won a Writer's Guild Award and was nominated for an Emmy in 1966 for his original teleplay, The Game, from the anthology series Bob Hope Presents, The Chrysler Theater. Though Pogaston lost, director Sidney Pollack and actor Cliff Robertson won Emmys in 1966 for the game. Producer William Spear cast film noir star Richard Widmark in the lead, supported by a cast of veteran radio actors, Kathy Lewis, Joseph Kearns, Charlotte Lawrence, and Jerry Hausner. Suspense presented the script again in 1957 with Raymond Burr as star. Ironically, the producers chose to revise Murderous Revision in order to make room for longer and more frequent commercial breaks. This truncated version was given the alliterative but lackluster title, Murder on Mike. And now, let's listen to Murderous Revision from Suspense. First broadcast, December 3rd, 1951. It's late at night and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker, listen to the music, and listen to the voices. Autolite and its 96,000 dealers present... Suspense! Tonight, Autolite presents transcribed A Murderous Revision... The story about a man who made a recording of a violent death, starring Mr. Richard Widmark. Hi, Hap. Meet the team. Where? Why, right under your car's hood, Hap. The Autolite Electrical System, the family team of precision-made units, including the coil, distributor, starting motor, and the other parts that make up the complete Autolite Electrical System. Used as original factory equipment on many leading makes of our finest cars, trucks, and tractors. Well, what does this team do, Harlow? Why, Hap, it goes to work for you every time you press the starting switch, sound your horn, or play your radio. 
the Autolite electrical system does all that, huh, Harlow? Right, Hap, because all its units are related like a family team by Autolite engineering design and manufacturing skill for the smoothest performance money can buy. So, friends, when your Autolite-equipped car needs replacement parts, insist on Autolite original factory parts because from bumper to taillight, you're always right with Autolite. And now, with a murderous revision and the performance of Mr. Richard Widmark, Autolite hopes once again to keep you in suspense. What did you want to see me for? Oh, Chris. Come in. Sit down. Did you uh, get to hear the show Sunday? I don't like to listen to the show. Oh, why not? Because I don't, that's all. Hey, Mr. Goodwin, I put some zip in that closing scene. I want you to hear it. Got the playback ready. Now, hand me that record mark part two, will you? Thanks. I don't know, Chris. I don't make you come to rehearsals. You don't have to sit in the control room all day. The least you can do is listen to the show at home. Well, listen to this now. George, honest, I didn't mean it, George. Get this, Chris. Get this. Do you mean to say that you didn't really mean it when you told my brother you didn't love him? You forget, Doris, that I heard you every word while I was hiding behind the Davenport the night my mother was here. George, I beg you, don't do this thing. Put down the gun, George. This is only what you deserve. (gasps) You tricked me for the last time, Doris. You tricked me for the last time. What did you change it for? What was wrong with the ending the way it was? Why did you change it? Now, just take it easy, Chris. I'll tell you why I changed it. Because it was wordy and repetitious. It didn't tell the story. The boys upstairs? The boys upstairs. Yeah, that's just what I thought. The boys upstairs. They do everything but breathe for you. Did it ever occur to you that maybe people are wordy and repetitious? Chris, I'm trying to tell you the scene the way you wrote it just just didn't didn't play. Yeah, that's right. All the trade cliches. Drag them out. It didn't live. It didn't play. It didn't make the right goosebumps come out on your left elbow. How did you ever get into this business? Who ever lets you into a radio studio? I'll tell you what's wrong with you. What you need is a good psychiatrist. Don't you tell me I need a psychiatrist. Let go of me. I said let go. Why, you're nuts. Now, you listen to me, you... For two years now, I've turned out a murder a week for you, week in and week out, a murder a week. I eat murder, I talk murder, I dream murder, and for what? Every time I turn in a decent script, you chop the heart out of it. Your contract's up next week, Chris. You've got only one more script to do. Well, write it and get out. You get better than a script. You'll get everything you deserve. I'm going to show you what a real murder sounds like. I'm going to show you if I have to kill you to do it. Good evening. This is a recording of an actual murder. The first, as far as I know. Not written, not rehearsed, but well planned. It is respectfully dedicated to Mr. Ken Avery, editor and producer of the radio program, Murder, Please. This is my last show, Mr. Avery. 
I'm delivering it to you in its entirety. Cast, music, everything. The events and persons are absolutely real. It's going to be a great show, Mr. Avery. You'll hear everything but the climax. I'm speaking into a microphone concealed in my desk, concealed with the other recording equipment I've rented for the occasion. The music you hear is coming from a high-fidelity phonograph at my side. This program is produced, edited, directed, narrated, engineered, and plotted by Christopher Turner, whose only claim to immortality is this single half hour. And now, Mr. Avery, the leading characters in order of appearance. The murderer, Christopher Turner. The catalytic agent, your daughter, Lois. The victim, yourself. And now, please to begin. Murder, please. Ken, this is Chris. Oh, now listen, I hate to bother Chris. you at home, but I wanted to apologize for the way I acted. Could you drop over to my office right away? Sorry, Chris, no go. I put up with your little insanities for two years now. Temper tantrums, insults, coming in stewed to the gills. Two years of that was plenty. I see. You won't change your mind. Not a chance. Maybe you can find somebody more patient than I am. Good luck. Thanks, Ken. Thanks a lot. Lovely opening scene, Mr. Avery. Thank you. You did exactly what I wanted you to do. You just threw away your last chance to save your life. Good work and excellent performance. Well, if you won't come up to my office by invitation, which I suspected you wouldn't, there's still another way. The telephone book. Listen, Mr. Avery. The sound of the flipping pages. Your daughter's phone number... Yeah, here we are. Hello. Hello, Lois. It's been a long time. Bet you don't even know who this is. I don't recognize the voice. This is Christopher Turner. Oh, sure, Mr. Turner. How are you? Fine, just fine. Well, how do you like uh, living alone? It's all right, I guess. Rather be living with the folks? No. It's kind of independent this way. Yeah. How's the writing coming? Oh, not so good, Mr. Turner. I've written five scripts so far, and every one of them has been rejected. I don't know what's the matter. Well, the reason I called was your dad and I had a talk this afternoon about you. He thought maybe I could pass on a few tips. Oh, I wouldn't want to bother you. Oh, now, this isn't an obligation on my part, Lois. I like to help young people. Say, uh, what are you doing this evening? Well... You see, uh, here's the point, Lois. This is the only free night I'll have this week. Things are sort of piling up. And uh, maybe you're doing some little thing with your writing that I could straighten out in an evening. Well, all right, Mr. Turner. Good. You know where my office is? I don't think so. It's right across from the broadcasting studios, the Brown Building, room 208. I'll be right over. Fine. And uh, bring your scripts with you, huh? I will. I, I certainly appreciate this. Not at all. Bye. Bye. 
I'll be right over and bring your scripts with you. I certainly appreciate this, not at all. <laughs> you see, that's how people talk, Mr. Avery. Let's see, what else? Oh, yes, sound. Drawer opens. Gun taken out. Click of breech. Whirl of chamber. Bullets inserted in chamber. Three, four, five, and six. Gun in drawer, drawer closed. And now we must wait. You see, Mr. Avery? Fate is a better dramatist than either. Just when things start getting dull, the phone rings. Hello? Hello, Chris. Hank. Oh, what's up? I tried your place all night. I tried your sister's place. Finally, I called your office. I wouldn't let myself believe it, but here you are, slaving away for old man Avery again. Say, when are you going to tell him to go take a flying leap? I did that just today. No kidding? Yes. Well, congratulations. From here on in, nothing but bigger and better things. Yeah. Say, there's a rip-roaring poker game going on over here. Just room for one more sucker. What do you say? No, I can't tonight. I'm doing my last show. Oh, forget it for one night. Why don't you? Live a little. Thanks, Hank, but I can't. I'm coming over and get you away from that typewriter if I have to use force. No, I can't, Hank. The show's Sunday. Look, I got a script due tomorrow. You don't see me knocking myself out. Let him wait. Listen, Hank, you can't come over here. Don't you get it? I'm sorry, Chris, honest. <laughs> if I'd suspected, sure thing. Well, take it easy. Uh, call me for lunch or something. You bet. Sorry, boy. Bye. Bye. Whew. That was close. Good scene, though. <laughs> Lois Avery has just driven up in front of the building. She's getting out of the car, carrying her scripts. She wears a cardigan sweater, tweed skirt, flat shoes. She's young, she's very pretty. A girl with everything to live for. Now she's disappeared into the building. In a moment, she'll knock on my door. And then you'll see for yourself how youth resists the threat of death. And this, Mr. Avery, would be the proper dramatic moment to end Act One. is bringing you Mr. Richard Widmark in A Murderous Revision, tonight's production in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. Hey, Hap, better turn on your lights. Press tune there on. Thank you, and uh, thank Autolite. Why, Harlow? Because in your Autolite-equipped car, the lights, as well as the power for your radio and power to crank your motor, are all provided by the Autolite electrical system. It has to be good, huh, Harlow? You bet, Hap. And that's why complete Autolite electrical systems are used as original factory equipment on many leading makes of our finest cars, trucks, and tractors. And that's good enough for me, Harlow. You bet it's good, Hap. And that's why it pays to treat your car's electrical system... Do a periodic checkup at your authorized Autolite service station or the dealer who services your make of car. 
You can quickly locate your nearest authorized Autolite service station in the classified section of your telephone directory or by calling Western Union by number and asking for Operator 25. And remember, from bumper to tail light, you're always right with Autolite. And now, Autolite brings back to our Hollywood soundstage Mr. Richard Woodmark in Elliot Lewis's production of A Murderous Revision, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. Act Two. This is Christopher Turner once again, Mr. Avery, bringing you by transcription the first recording of an actual murder ever made specifically for broadcast. The setting? My office. The music? Recorded. The time? Night. The victim? Yourself. Your daughter has just entered the building. And so concludes the usual resume with which we begin the second act of every Murder, Please program. I hear footsteps in the hall. Your cue, Lois. Sound. Knock on door. Come in. Hi, Lois. Come on in. Thanks. I brought the scripts with me. Wonderful, wonderful. Sit down. I hope I'm not putting you out. I always tell Dad to stop imposing on my behalf, but I guess he'll never learn. Now, look, you're here because I want you here, and for no other reason. Cigarette? No, thanks. This is a nice office. It serves. Just a hole in the wall, but quiet, nothing fancy. I like it. Well, how long have you been scribbling? Six months, Mr. Turner. Let's uh, just make it Chris. Hmm? What sort of things? Murder, mostly. Somebody told me that's what sells best. True, true. Well, uh, let's just start talking about murder. Maybe something interesting will come out. Question number one. Why do you think people kill? Lots of reasons, I guess. Money. Love. Revenge. Mm -mm, Not really. Only for survival. They kill for money only when money means life their idea of life. They only kill for love when life depends upon that love. They only kill for revenge when life is intolerable without it. You see? That's very interesting. Could you kill? I don't think so. Well, maybe you could. Here. See? A gun. And loaded. Please put it away. Take it. I'd rather not. It's very obedient. It won't fire unless you press the trigger. Take it. That's it. Now point it at me. Please, I... Think now, think. One touch of your finger and you kill me. One little touch. A very delicate instrument to trigger. There's a sense of power there, you feel it? I'm afraid. Fear, yes, but exhilaration, too. Like the second drink. I feel it, yes. All right, you can give it back to me now. (laughs) Well, so much for the murderer. Now, uh, what about the victim? Afraid of death? Sometimes. What is death to you? Death? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't 
No idea? Emptiness. Blackness. Nothing. Is that so terrible? Yes, because you really don't know. Like the dark. Do you know any more about death than you do about me? You? Yeah. Well, I know you work for Dad. Yes, but you've never even spent one hour with me. Once at lunch, you and your father sat down with me, yet you come up here alone. How do you know you can trust me? I suppose I don't, really. Look at this. Please put it down. It makes me terribly nervous. Do you have any money? A little. How much? Ten dollars, maybe, some change. Give it to me. Here. Why did you give me the money? Because you asked me for it. No, because you were hoping I'd put down the gun. And if I'd said a kiss, one kiss, and I'll put down the gun, what would you do? I suppose I... I suppose I'd give... But a kiss, that would be harder to give, wouldn't it? Yes. Kiss me. There. Thank you. Now put down the gun. Please. I know it's a lesson in writing and all that, but it scares me. No. But you said you would. I said nothing of the kind. And if I had said it, you'd have been foolish to believe me. You can't trust a man with a gun. You feel helpless, don't you? Yes. While you could give me money, there was hope. While you could give me love, there was hope. But if all I wanted was revenge, there'd be nothing you could do to save yourself. Nothing. And if I told you that right now, right this moment, I'm going to pull this trigger and blow you to bits, tell me, what would you say? I'd try to talk you out of it. What would you say? I wouldn't know what to say. Then I'd shoot. I'd tell you about the electric chair. Very little threat to a man about to kill. Later, maybe, when he's running away, then he'd think about consequences. But not now. Now it's only kill. Now, what else? What else would you say? I'd beg him. He wouldn't listen. I'd plead with him. I'd say, please don't kill me. And if he still wouldn't listen? Then I'd die. Hello. Bet you don't know who this is. I can't place the voice. I haven't the slightest idea. Remember San Francisco and the Italian pizza and the cigarette holder? Vaguely. Who is this? I hate guessing games. Harriet. I know at least 18 Harriets. Harriet who? Crawford. Oh. I just came in. I thought maybe you could meet me for a drink. I don't know a single solitary soul in town. How did you happen to call here? Well, I shouldn't tell, I suppose, but Hank said you were working late at the office. Hank, huh? He gave me the number and said to be sure to call. Bless his heart. What was that? I said, bless his heart. Yeah. Well, I'll call you tomorrow. Yeah, you do that. Well, bye. Guess I'd better get going. Why? We're not even started yet. Well, if you don't put down that gun, I'm going. I don't like it. Sit down. I want to tell you a story. Now, listen. Please. Please sit down. Now, now this is just a sample plot. You can have it if you want it. It's about a writer who had great novels in him, great plays. But he was broke. 
So, for the sake of a place to stay and a meal to eat, he started turning out radio mysteries. He turned them out until every drop of originality was squeezed out of him. And all the greatness he might have been ate into him because he'd leave nothing to the world, nothing but scripts to be swept up by studio janitors after the broadcast. Well, the writer made his decision one day. He'd do a last radio play, a radio play with an actual murder, the only chance he had for permanent survival. And he selected as his victim the man who had ground him into the dust. He selected his editor and producer, Ken Avery. Please. I like you. I, I, I like you very much. I wish this could be happening to almost anyone but you. Get to the phone. What? The telephone. What for? You're going to call your father. No. No, I won't do it. You'll call your father and you'll tell him to come up to my office. Now pick up the receiver. No, wait. I'll do it. Now take the phone. Tell him. It's ringing. Take it. Dad? Lois? Lois, what are you calling this time of night for? Something the matter? No, nothing. You want him to take you home? You don't feel well? I, Lois, I... something's the matter. Where are you? You home? No, I, I'm at Mr. Turner's. Turner's? His apartment? His office. I don't feel very well. Come and take me home. Come and take me home. I don't feel well. Here, give me the phone. Hello, Ken. Yes, Chris? Yeah, Lois came up tonight to discuss some scripts she wrote, but she doesn't feel very well. You'd better come and get her. I'll be right over. Sit down. We haven't got very long to wait. Twenty minutes have gone by. I hear the steps in the hall. The sure, plodding steps of her father, Mr. Ken Avery. The climax, ladies and gentlemen, of the listening audience, I address to you. Mr. Avery will never hear this portion of the entertainment. Come in. Lois, are you? Well, what is this? Sit down. There's a chair reserved for you. Lois, what's been going on here? Tell him, Lois. He's going to kill you. He's going to kill both of us. Close the door. Chris, put that thing down. Somebody's liable to get hurt. What's the matter with you? Drinking again? Nothing to drink. Very sober. Sit down. Chris, are you crazy? Good line. Perfectly in character. The inane cliche from the mouth of the great producer. You see, Ken, everything is being recorded right now. Your voice, Lois, is mine. Sit down. Recorded for what? For posterity. For the show next week. You'll have the honor of appearing on your own program as the murder victim. Yeah, let me show you. Right here in the desk. You see, it's a recording machine. I've stopwatched every second. It's been running exactly 25 minutes. You always made it a rule to plan the climax for 26.30 so you could have room for a final commercial. Well, that's just what I'm doing. According to my timing, you have about one minute and 30 seconds to live. All right, Chris. That's enough of the phony dramatics. Now, give me that thing before somebody gets hurt. Stand back. I wouldn't want to mistime the climax of the show. 
This won't make a show. You won't have much editorial power, Mr. Avery, after a few seconds. Uh, there's the agency. They wouldn't put this thing on the air. No, why not? You plan to kill me. From the beginning. There's the trouble right there, Chris. There's no twist. Oh, yes, the twist. Right. The surprise ending. You told the audience to expect the murder to be successful. But our shows have to have some kind of surprise for the audience, Chris. You know that. Uh, where's the twist? <laughs> Still the editor right to death's door. All right, Ken, perhaps you can provide the surprise ending that's going to save your life. I don't have to. Oh? You provided the twist yourself, but you didn't know it. And yet the twist was part of the story all the time. Where, Mr. Editor Avery? You. You, Chris. You're the twist. Me? That's right. You're a flop, Chris. You're so used to dreaming on paper you can't live anymore. You wrote about love because you never had it. You wrote about fortunes and you're still two bits. You wrote about murder, but you, you haven't got the guts to pull the trigger. Now, give me that gun. You think I won't shoot? I know you won't. Give me that gun, you hack. What did you say? I said you were a hack. Now, give me that gun. Stay away. Give me that gun, you hack. No, I'm not. Let go. Let go of my hand. Drop it, I said. Drop it. Let go. Chris. Chris. You always liked it. Change the ending. Dad. It's all right, Lois. Dad, take me home. The records. They're all we have to clear us. Take me home, please. As soon as I see what's on those records. Oh. Oh, this must be part one. Uh, let's see. This is a recording of an actual murder. The first, as far as I know. Not written, not rehearsed. Suspense. Presented by Autolite. Tonight's star, Mr. Richard Widmark. Friends, this is Harlow Wilcox again to remind you that Autolite is the world's largest independent manufacturer of automotive electrical equipment. In 28 plants from coast to coast, Autolite makes over 400 products for cars, trucks, tractors, planes, and boats. These include complete electrical systems, a complete line of ignition-engineered Autolite spark plugs, both standard and resistor types. Autolite batteries, including the famous Autolite Stay Full. Autolite also makes automotive wire and cable, bumpers and hubcaps, electric windshield wipers and many more. All are backed by constant Autolite research and are precision built to highest standards of quality and performance. So remember, from bumper to tail light, you're always right with Autolite. Next week on Suspense, our star will be Mr. Victor Mature as a man who made his living as an assassin. A tale we call Black Jack to Kill. In weeks to come, we shall also present Mr. John Hodiak and Mr. Herbert Marshall, all on Suspense. Suspense is produced and transcribed by Elliot Lewis, with music composed by Lucian Morrowick and conducted by Lud Gluskin. A murderous revision was adapted for Suspense by David Ellis, 
from a story of S. Lee Pagostin. In tonight's story, Kathy Lewis was heard as Lois, Joseph Kearns as Ken, Charlotte Lawrence as Harriet, and Jerry Hausner as Hank. Tonight's appearance of Richard Widmark was made possible through the kind permission of 20th Century Fox Studios. Mr. Widmark may soon be seen in the Technicolor production, Red Skies of Montana. For the location of your nearest Autolite service station or your nearest Autolite spark plug or battery dealer, phone Western Union by number and ask for operator 25. Switch to Autolite. Good night. This is the CBS Radio Network. That was Murderous Revision from Suspense here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. A few weeks back, I brought Sears Radio Theater to this podcast. Fridays on Sears Radio Theater was hosted by Richard Widmark uh, after Leonard Nimoy hosted Fridays for a while. We realized in listening to Sears Radio Theater that um, hosting it didn't mean much of anything (laughs) other than coming in and reading a few lines. Hi, I'm Richard Widmark. Yeah. (laughs) Here's tonight's show. We made the comment that Milwaukee Deep, that episode we listened to, might have done slightly better had they just found the money and cast Richard Widmark. (laughs) Um, So it's a lot of fun, Joshua. I'm glad you brought this because it was really fun to say, oh, yeah, right. Thank you for bringing a Richard Widmark in. And it was nice to hear him actually uh, acting and not just reading some script. Was the old Krusty the Clown. Hey, 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 one of those will work. All right, goodbye. (laughs) Uh, So you can just edit this to the end of this conversation <laughs> this is spectacular this is amazing radio this is just a piece of classic classic uh storytelling and Widmark's beautiful all right so just take that copy and paste <laughs> and put it on the end when you say let's one vote. of those will work <laughs> yeah hey hey <laughs> you are this podcast crusty the clown yeah <laughs> I agree with you, Eric. I, I brought it for that reason. Um, as it unfolds, you go, oh, this is great. This is a great conceit. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited. Oh, and it's working. Right. It's technically playing out mm-hmm. in a way that I don't have to suspend any disbelief, really. Um, mm-hmm. there's Obviously, there's coincidence. But even when there is a moment of coincidence, he even acknowledges it in the script. He says something like, you know, ooh, fate is the best writer. That added a little tension here. And it's just piece by piece, it comes together so nicely. And then on top of the conceit itself working, one of the things I was really attracted by is the shifting sympathies or the layers Mm. of sympathies because in that first scene when ken the company man editor plays him the ending that he thinks is way better than chris's ending i think maybe i'm wrong i think most listeners maybe me as a writer particularly i'm sympathetic to chris in that moment well they they play with it before because chris is also like i don't listen to it like i i won't sit in the booth that that Mm -hmm. he is being a bit of a baby about his work However, I think the precious about yes, his that's work. A good word for it. The authorial point of view in that the way the suspense producers, not Ken, <laughs> uh, put it together, the ending we hear as a listener is pretty hackneyed. Mm-hmm. The suspense director has clearly asked these actors to do it in a very over the top style. So while I agree with you, 
throughout this entire thing, and even right here at the top, Chris is portrayed as a precious uh, yeah. writer. Underappreciated yeah, genius yeah. might be what they're... However, from an artistic point of view, I found myself in agreement with that. And so I found it really interesting throughout this tension between your sympathy toward Chris the artist and your antipathy toward Chris the human being. Yeah. You find yourself wondering while listening to this how much of this is based in actual David Ellis thoughts that he had during his career. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That seems a little bit of a catharsis, a little bit of therapy, a little yeah. bit of like, <laughs> I'm going to get this off my chest, which is interesting because it could have turned into that. Instead, it became a wonderful amazingly well thought out thriller there is the world in which this is a cathartic venting of uh, grievances but i also can see it like this is a writer that's i so clever yeah i'm very proud of this Mm -hmm. this accomplishment and it is a huge accomplishment it is innovative but it hits every classic note Mm -hmm. it calls out the tropes and then does the tropes and does them well and it shows you why these are classic tropes and then, yeah, it just, in a harmonious way, obeys every rule and breaks every rule. Was it Willis Cooper's last show that was all meta? Arch Obler. Arch Obler's uh, last show. Yeah. The thing where he had yes. writer's block. Yeah. Right. I was reminded of that, which did become very tongue-in-cheek, and I'm just going to murder everybody. Mm-hmm. It's my last show. And wasn't really trying to do something believable or... Uh, yeah, that did seem more catharsis than clever. Right, right. exactly. <laughs> did I say it before? Cut and paste what I said earlier, and every time it's my turn to talk, put that in there. Every time it's your turn to talk, I'll cut and paste something there. I'm not going <laughs> to promise what it is. Oh. It might be in like an elephant noise randomly, or... Please? <laughs> uh, Colada, Barada, Nick 2. Oh. Every time. Uh, see what I did? Uh, the day Eric stood still. <laughs> no such day. My favorite moment, then there's a lot of favorite moments to have, but by far my favorite moment is when he gets the phone call, hangs up, and says, well, that was a really good scene, though. (laughs) (laughs) It was just beautiful. Like, that's not planned, but what a great scene, and he's right. Well, again, it points to this sort of megalomania that is writing, because you do, on one hand, have to immerse yourself into this world as you're writing you have to enter the fiction you have to kind of test it against reality and it's very easy for it to become your reality and for everything to become precious because you've worked so hard on it but also you all have to be a human being (laughs) and this what (laughs) oh no (laughs) when he menaces the daughter lois that's that's really distressing my favorite scene right up at that point i was like I know he's going to kill this guy. I know he's awful, but I'm loving this guy. Right. right? Because he's just clever and fun. But and yeah, is that moment that when his, his straw man arguments, suddenly the rubber hits the road and he's got to make his point to some, you know, in some way with another human being. And he can't know what her reaction is going to be to his bullying, to his mm-hmm. threats, to his insinuations, um, any of that. And... The performance and the writing of the, her character, I just thought was fascinating and wonderful. Because there's no need for him to torture her like he did. Yeah. She's not part of his um, injustice, he thinks, that has been done to him. That is just, like you said, pure bullying. And so then I, I lose all sympathy for him at all in that moment. 
Yeah. But I think he's also trying to make the point, the character is, of what it means to become immersed in the truth of what you're writing. So feel it, feel it, feel mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So the bullying is unnecessary, but in his head, it's not. Because you're now completely understanding yep. what it feels like to be this. And the, earlier he says, I, I live murder, I eat murder, week right. in, week out. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it is consistent within the script, but it's a really dark moment. I, that's the show I want to write. I eat murder. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a great title. Brought to you by Lucky Strikes. I eat murder. Uh, I want to piggyback on something Tim said earlier because he just touched on it too quick for me. The woman playing the daughter's performance was exquisite. I, I enjoyed every moment of her scene. Her weird calmness yeah. uh, uh, was very truthful from my perspective. It seemed really, hey, um... <laughs> You're really making me uncomfortable with that because she's on the precipice of thinking either, A, this, he's not a threat, but it still makes me uncomfortable, or perhaps he is a threat. Either way, I've got to approach calmly because mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to offend him, nor do I want to push him over the edge if this is somebody who's losing it at this moment. So I just loved those yeah, choices that with that dialogue. De-escalation. By that but yeah. she could have delivered that dialogue differently, the actor. Yeah. It's very natural. Exactly. It's, and it's not hysterical, but there's real fear the end. there. Yeah. Not, and it's such a great contrast to his meticulously planned and executed beat by beat. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to feel. I have this music ready. Uh, and I have these phone calls ready. I'm 26 and a half minutes. I'm going to shoot the guy. It's all beat by beat, perfectly planned. And then there's a real person, and it's very different. I would like to talk a little about the very ending, because it's something I grappled with the first time I listened to it. The first time I heard it, I went, oh, that's a little wah, wah, wah. I went like, (laughs) oh, that's a little cliched and pat. And then I went, oh, yeah, because Ken, the editor, came in and ruined his... Yep. yep. You know, so I had that yep. whole meta moment, and then, and I was like, Ken is a hack, and I was kind of right back to where I was at the beginning, and I was right. back on Chris's I hate side. Ken's like, you, Chris came in this with this really smart, edgy, clever meta script, and you came in and added this taunt the villain and grapple with the gun ending that plays well with the boys upstairs, and and so in some ways it's also this little bit of an indictment of suspense itself. Mm-hmm. That even a winning formula, well, they keep such a suspense when you are forced to have to check all these boxes. A surprise twist ending that is mandatory becomes predictable, and then yeah. can be a little disappointing. I loved how many times he said they were talking about you need a twist ending, mm-hmm. you know, and they kept really making fun of themselves in a weird way. There are so many layers to yeah. this. So it's when amazing. Ken says wait, wait, I have to play this record. And he says, it's the only thing that will prove our innocence here. Do you get the idea? It's what struck me is that now that Ken has ruined the ending, Ken wants to hear the record because he wants to put it on, on the air. <laughs> that this will show up in Murder, Please. You mean I Eat Because it has his ending. Yes, I Eat Murder. <laughs> <laughs> when I got to that point in the ending, I was having so much fun in this roller coaster, I was riding it off the rails yeah. uh, that I was thinking like, 
okay, so he knows Ken's going to come in and mess up his ending, so he's recorded an alternate first record that frames Ken for the whole thing. Oh. That'd be pointless and dumb. And there's no room for it. Yeah. I went down that road, too, where for a second I went, oh, is that sort of ellipses there? Like, let me hear this mean something else? And that's Ken's fault again, <laughs> who makes you expect that there has to be more. But ultimately, I just think it is a incredibly clever, clever script in all those yes. ways. And strong kudos to the structure, the performance, all the engine inside the vehicle there, because... It would be very easy just to be clever and be like, oh, I get it, and be done in like five minutes. Like, I don't need to hear anything else. I get the shtick. Um, But it is the one-two punch of it's very smart, and it's a very good version of what it is discussing. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's weird how I don't know what to say about this other than I'm astonished by how well for uh laid out this writing i is. restrained myself from looking actually at the time of like so when does the gunshot happen oh and see <laughs> if it actually times out to 26 minutes yes yeah well it wouldn't because the opening scene is not part of his recording i think it's it's close yeah within the suspense episode yes like minutes. intro yes. included yeah i'm sure i'm sure they timed that out but there is the cheat as in the opening scene is not part of chris's Oh, true. Recorded episode. It's an actual... Yeah, it's a matter of, did they make it loyal to the internal logic or the yeah. greater logic? It's just so fun to play around with and think about. I really yeah. think we should perform this one. I think this would yeah. go over really well. Yeah, this would be fantastic. And, oh, I just, I love when he points out like, oh, and the sound of the phone book opening, and he flips the yeah. pages, and he's just being a delightful jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Were you able to... Uh... Close your mind down when Biff and Happy and or <laughs> Hammerhead and oh. Jeffrey. What are their names? I have long and, learned to forget Bip about and Clip. them. But again, what are their names? Happen and I tune them out. They're so <laughs> I know you horrible. hate them so much. <laughs> um, but also in the context of this episode, they're great because it emphasizes just how stupid it is to cut away to them. Just yes. right. Like by his uh, sarcastic, like, and this is a perfect way to end the first act. Right. Now to these losers. <laughs> right. So let's vote. I think I, it's not going to be a shock. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> uh, uh, we cut and pasted your comments earlier. So sorry. Yeah. Classic stands to test time. One of the best, this might, if I had to sit down and do some math, but it might be in my top 10. I'm not going to commit to that because I have to look at a list. But it's really good. Thank you. Uh, my birthday's in a few weeks. I'm going to assume that was for my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and we should thank uh, Pip, who is a listener who sent this All right. a number of years ago, I think. He's <laughs> hopefully still listening or she, I don't know, whoever you are. Thank you. But it was on my list, so I was like, I'm going to share credit because this is what <laughs> I want to bring. I, th- I thank Pip more than you, if that makes That's sense. That's fair, yeah. because you get a chance to say Pip. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm voting. Hey. <laughs> so we vote at the end of this? Is that how this works? Uh, yes. Classic. This is uh, when I'm teaching my class on radio episodes, th- this would be... Like a 101, dissect this episode, figure out how this works, and you'll understand great radio. Yep. Yeah, classic. Obviously, we've already said the same things over and over again, but I want to, again, underscore that if it were just the conceit, guy records his own radio show as he's killing somebody, 
it would still be really good. But the way it digs in just that little bit deeper and really explores that, it explores how the needs of the art, the creator, and the consumer are often not aligned. They are, are in conflict in different ways with one another. And that seems even, again, a more contemporary discussion in this age of the the internet and those lines have blurred even more between creator consumer and and who owns the art is it you know the people who love it is it the mm-hmm. people who make it and yeah it's really fascinating i've had two jobs in my life well i've had more than two jobs but there are two jobs that i'm referencing i had one where it was driven by the money in other words the sponsors drove content right and you just it didn't matter what you were doing they would literally walk in it was a radio station they walk in and say mention coke four times in the next 10 minutes please i mean it was just (laughs) complete chaos i had another job where literally sponsorship clients people giving them money were told this is what we do you can buy this 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 or this (laughs) but you can't have any more than that and because the content is what drives our sales. And it's the two different ways to approach that. And it's just really fascinating to me because they both work. It depends mm-hmm. on what you're willing to do. But I think more often than not, people are afraid to let content stand on its own and look at someone with money and say, this is what we do. Do you want to attach your name to it as mm-hmm. it stands or not? And you'd be surprised how many times they will actually say, yeah, okay, I'll stop trying to drive the ship and just throw my name on the side of the ship. (laughs) Hey, hey, Tim, tell him stuff. (laughs) That's new. Uh, Wow. (laughs) Hey, please go visit ghoulishdelights.com, brought to you by Dr. Pepper. It is the home of this podcast. Dr. Pepper. <laughs> You'll find other episodes there. Lots of suspense episodes if you like suspense. It's a good show. Um, you can also... I'm a pepper. <laughs> Would you like to be a pepper? Vote in polls. Let us know what you thought of this episode. Leave a comment. Dr. You can uh, send us messages. If you be like episodes pepper, that are like, hey, Dr. listen to this episode in a few years and take credit for it. Um, you can link to our social media pages. You can go to our Threadless store and get some swag. Uh, as we discussed last time, there's some new stuff there. Fish with teeth. Death does carrots. That might mean something to you <laughs> if you've listened to past it's episodes. new deep cut uh, t-shirt line. We don't have any Dr. Pepper products there because that's uh, <laughs> illegal, I believe. But um, deep down, they're all Dr. Pepper shirts. <laughs> you can also become a member of our Patreon. Yes, go to patreon.com slash themorals and become our Dr. Pepper. <laughs> yes, you can support us, and and we will do things like um, sing jingles about your name. No, we won't really commit to doing that. Uh, but uh, your support—what are they paying? Oh, you're right. You're <laughs> sure. right. You're, see, this is that blurry line between Not blurry art to me. consumers. And, yeah, okay. twenty-five bucks. Right. I'm singing a jingle about uh, your name. There's yes, challenge there. us. Just see how much money can you give us to buy our integrity. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, buying us, uh, we would like you to buy us a new computer. So in addition to Patreon, we're also seeking additional one-time donations. Whatever you feel like giving, if you go to ghoulishdelights.com and hit the donate button, that will go to our technology, uh, which will make everything 
uh, much smoother on our end, and it might even result in things like, I don't know, you getting podcasts sooner? I'm not promising anything, <laughs> but it could. There's a world in which that helps. Um, there have been several people who have donated already that we're very grateful for. We want to say thank you to Bill, to Brian, Anne-Marie, Linda, Shane, Mark, Jeffrey, and DBA, who uh, is otherwise anonymous to us, but thank you, DBA. Um, that is, as of this time of this recording, if you can help us out at all, it would make a huge difference in our ability to make this podcast. Yes, and we are recording this probably at least a m- month from when you're hearing it. So if you've donated since then, uh, we haven't forgotten you. Your your name will show up on the podcast later. How does this sound? The Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society being brought to you by Apple. Hey, <laughs> Apple. <laughs> What do you think of that? Is that fun for you? Why don't you send us a computer and we'll be done with this. Hey, if you'd like to see us performing live, the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society Theater Company does live audio theater on stage. About seven years now, we perform somewhere monthly, uh, sometimes even twice a month. If you'd like to come see us performing audio theater, live uh, classic recreations of uh, classic uh, radio shows and a lot of our own original work, just go to ghoulishdelights.com or mysteriousoldradiolisteningsociety.com. Either place will tell you what we're performing, where we're performing, and how to get tickets. And if you can't come, become a Patreon. And part of your perks is that you get to see the video uh, recording of our performances. Uh, so that's included. So come see us performing live. Uh, we got a lot of stuff coming up uh, here in 2023. We got a lot of dates. Mm-hmm. So come see us. Um, Burger King. <laughs> why are we picking like the aging failing yeah why did dr pepper, like, dr. pepper and burger king because they're they're really killing it right now are they i don't know <laughs> no they're oh, not man, I don't I, know. dr pepper you, i do like dr pepper they're you'll that's the first thing they run out of in a store yeah <laughs> like toilet paper and then die dr pepper oh i like oh it. if we get toilet paper to sponsor us <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what I'm trying to think of what I really want. Uh, uh, cheese pizza. Oh, it's not a... Brought to you by Back Rubs. <laughs> That's what I really want. Brought to you by 20 Minute Nap. <laughs> Tim, tell him the stuff. Well, we're just did. Up. Hey, what's coming up next? Uh, I think it is my choice up next. Yes, it is. We are listening to an episode of Weird Circle. Called the doll. Until then, cut and paste what I said earlier. (laughs) And every time it's my turn to talk, put that in there. Every time it's your turn to talk, I'll cut and paste something there. I don't know what to say about this other than. Gordon. Matu. Barada. Nick Toe. Latu. Barada. Nick Toe.